You are listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I have such an exciting episode for you guys today. I just had so much fun interviewing Miss Heather McKee. In fact, Dr. Heather McKee is a UK's leading behavior change specialist, lecturer, speaker, consultant, and founder of drheathermckee.co.uk. Having studied behavior change psychology for 10 years, her mission is to offer an evidence-based, sustainable alternative to an industry saturated with quick fixes and health fads. And guys, you know this. You know this from personal experience. There's so many quick fixes out there. There's so many fad diets. There's so many fad ways, period, to change a habit. And I know if you're like me and you're listening to this, that you have at least one habit that you'd like to change. And that one habit might be the thing that is just the thorn in your side. And try as you may, willpower your way through it. You just can't seem to make a change. Well, this episode is for you. It's going to be short, this intro, because I just want to dive right in and have you listen to Dr. McKee's amazing insights. Um, She has been featured in so many magazines and journals, Huffington Post, Time Magazine, She is an expert and a pro in this field, and I love, 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 we just geeked out on this topic of habit change. So enjoy this episode, and let us know what you thought about it in the comments in the show notes or on Facebook in the She Rises Tribe Facebook group. We'll see you there. Welcome, Heather, to She Rises. I am so happy that you're on the show today. I'm so excited to be here. Really excited. I'm really excited, you know, almost for selfish reasons. And I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to out myself. Every guest I have on the show <laughs> is completely for selfish reasons. It's, it's really stuff that I think I'm going to be re- interested in. But I know yeah. because I hear from my audience all the time that they love the guests. So I know that when I pick someone that I am selfishly interested in, that somewhere someone's going to get, mm-hmm. um, you know, some benefit from that. But I'm really excited to have you here because you are – a behavior change specialist and who doesn't have a behavior or habit that they need to change that they just are stuck with. So I'm ecstatic to have you here, my dear. Oh, thank you. Hopefully I won't be a massive disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) You won't. I know you won't. I've been reading your stuff and and researching what you do. You will not disappoint. So I always start the shows with a little bit of a story because it always intrigues me how it is that you know, people got to where they are, you know, what, what prompted this, you know, passion or desire or this journey, you know, to become a behavior change specialist and love to hear a little bit about your story. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, well, it kind of started back. So I started out as a, I had a big interest in health. Um, however, there wasn't really anything at university that was like health related bar actually going into the medical profession. So I found myself in sports science originally. Um, and that was the kind of only thing I could find that had like a health focus. Um, and that this was back before, you know, fitness was actually treated as a sport. Um, you know, um, so and we all kind of had gotten into health and well-being. So I, I really wanted to look at things that had a, quite a public health focus and um, that were supporting health. But, you know, I couldn't find it. So I ended up in sports science. Um, 
And so I did a degree in that. It was fascinating and interesting, but it was the health stuff that really inspired me and the psychology bits. And so I ended up um, working um, in a hospital. I worked in a metabolic clinic um, and that was for people with diabetes and obesity and metabolic syndrome, which is a combination of cardiovascular risk factors. And basically, um, you know, we had the best PTs, we had the best nutritionists. And what was fascinating was, you know, we had all of this information for people, but they couldn't get it to work for them. They couldn't make those habits stick. And I was incredibly frustrated thinking about, you know, we've all these amazing resources and people aren't using them. And so what I did was I sat down with every single person in that clinic and talked to them and just found out, you know, what was getting in the way, what was preventing them from really kind of being able to like stick with their goals. And that to me, I was just hooked from that onwards. You know, it was just really, really so interesting to see, you know, each person's an individual, they have their own individual barriers to change. And actually, you know, it's not as simple as just providing those ingredients for change. So I always say, you know, like diet, and exercise those are the ingredients and behavior change psychology that's the method for change and so basically I went on then to um do a master's in exercise psychology and then I moved on to doing a PhD in weight loss psychology and so I was fascinated to know you know what made some people be able to maintain their health habits long term while so many other people failed and like is there a way to train people in those skills that knowledge and build their confidence so that they could actually maintain their habits long term so all my research was really really focused around that so it's all about habit maintenance um, so I stayed in academia for about 10 years um, and it wasn't actually until some of my research studies got picked up by the US media and people started emailing me and saying, you know, I don't want to diet anymore. I don't want a quick fix. I just want to learn the skills for habit change. I want to know how to change my behaviors and maintain it long term. So people weren't looking for this overnight transformation. They wanted something that fit in with their kind of their lifestyle that was realistic and I was also incredibly frustrated at what was out there um you know currently and what's been sold to people because after spending 10 years you know looking at the papers looking at what was most effective for long-term change none of that was being translated in um into practice um and so you know they say most businesses start out of extreme frustration that is exactly what it was it was this frustration that there was no translation of what was effective in the field into practice um so I kind of stepped away from academia um, I still continue to lecture in behavior change but I I kind of started then out on my own um creating a kind of habit change business and so you know that that grew into coaching clients one-to-one and supporting their habit change and taking all of those kind of distilling all that knowledge from 10 years of research on academia academic work and publications into you know actionable evidence-based tools and tactics that people could use to actually enable them to actually make those long-term habit changes. Yeah, so the mil- I mean the million dollar question and I just feel like we're just going to we have a half hour show we're going to dive right into the deep end everyone that's listening Yay. because the million or maybe billion dollar question mm. is I need to change this habit and it could be any habit it could be that I'm mm. I need to like you said weight loss right I need to lose this weight how come I'm not losing it and people could literally get you know, um, a diagnosis from their doctor whereby like this is life threatening and yet they still can't make the change. Mm. Or there's someone out there that's like, you know, um, I am basically I need to I need to do X, Y and Z in order to, you know, be successful in this area. Why am I not doing those things? So that's the billion dollar question is why don't we do what we know we need to do 
to get yeah. what we need to get? It's and it's a great question. <laughs> I wish the answer was simple. Um, oh come but, on, give us the three steps. Isn't there just yeah. three steps? <laughs> um, but you know what? Change is messy and it's hard. And you know, I think the thing is that the problem is that people don't go about change in the right way. And you know, they're not really taught about actually how to go about change in the right way. And so, you know, typical example, you know, it comes to January and we want to change all our behaviors. We want to save more. We want to be a nicer spouse. We want to go to the gym more. We want to cut down on sugar. You know, the list goes on. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all of these things and do them perfectly. And so it seems like there's this just a huge mountain to climb when it comes to change because, you know, we're suffocated by our own perfectionism. Um, and in ways in what we know from psychology is that, you know, the more goals you add into the mix, the more difficult it is to actually achieve your focal goal. It's a concept known as goal dilution. And so for, for me, it's about making change as easy as possible to happen, whereas people tend to go about it and make it really, really difficult. They've even shown in studies, you know, when they told people that they're going to go on a diet the following week, people started to overcompensate and eat more the week before, you know, in anticipation of that change. Absolutely. I've never done that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You're totally talking about me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's the fear of change. And the thing is, like, so ultimately willpower is like a muscle okay so the thing is if you if I go to the gym for the next week and train just my left bicep and I lift and I lift and lift by the time it gets to Friday you know I'm not even going to be able to lift a cup of tea you know I'll be so like you know depleted and everything else however and that's exactly you know the way that a lot of people approach healthy habits they're like right okay it's Monday I'm going to be perfect I'm going to do everything perfectly and they use up all their willpower you know it's striving for this perfection over time however if you train your um willpower in adequate amounts so you know taking the rest and recovery like you would you know if you were training certain muscles in the gym and everything else it can actually get stronger over time and so the key with habit change is to start small in the way that it's almost laughably easy to start. So one thing I talk with my clients about, um, I know you like practicality. So and um, this is something really pragmatic that we do is I talk about micro changes. So I talk about what is the smallest change that you're willing to make. And so people come in at the start and they're full of motivation. It's great. But that motivation isn't going to be sustained. And so what we want is ongoing, consistent, continual momentum. And momentum is what's key to habit change. So we want to start so small, it's almost laughably easy, like small changes like having half a spoonful of less of sugar in your tea or taking the stairs at work, or whatever is most relevant to the habit that you wish to change. And, you know, if you think about it, like half a, sh- a spoonful of sugar less in your tea, if you've got, if you have three cups of tea or coffee, um, you know, in a day, over a year, that's a huge amount of calories that you're saving. And yet it doesn't feel that hard. So essentially what I see, I see habit change. I see bad habits or unhealthy habits. I don't like to moralize habits, but unhealthy habits. I see them like like a knot. So, you know, when you're trying to untie a knot, you don't try and just grab at it in the center. You know, it only gets tighter. What you want to do is you want to look for those small wins, those easy wins, that kind of low hanging fruit, the outsides of that knot. And you want to unfurl and untangle that one step at a time. So say you're giving, trying to give up sugar rather than just try and 
absolutely cut out sugar only to feel like three or four weeks in you know miserable and all you can think about is sugar which is absolutely you know the way the human brain works is to look at well what are those quick wins and then you start to feel a sense of success a sense of fulfillment and that helps you then gain that momentum that you need to make those habits stick Amazing. And I want to geek out here for a second because I, I really like a, you said something so well, you said everything powerful there. But one of the things you said is that we get suffocated by mm. perfectionism. And I just see that. I mean, we could paint that paintbrush over so much of our lives in so many areas. And so I wonder, like, what's happening in the human mind and in the psyche when we approach a problem or a challenge or let's a habit we want to change. And mm. what I got from what you said is we tend to throw the kitchen sink at it, right? We just throw all these different, <laughs> do all the, do this. And it's almost like we get overwhelmed and you're just saying that one tiny little loosening. So, you know, let's, I just want to geek out for a second. Like what mm. happens to the mind so that we can understand really what we're doing to ourselves with all these details um when we try and throw all these rules and regulations and things at at ourselves Mm -hmm. Uh, well it's quite interesting because you know the number one thing that we know leads to weight gain over time and this is really really interesting and it's based on you know a large number of systematic reviews a large number of studies is deprivation so as soon as we feel deprived that's when we tend to rebel. That's when we tend to kind of lash out. That's when we tend to tend to go off the wagon. And so if we look at that from a neuroscience point of view, you know, the more you resist, the more it persists is what I like to say. And, you know, the more we try and deprive ourselves and restrict, actually, the more that we want that thing. So it's the whole, you know, the classical um, psychology study is, you know, don't think of a white bear. And as soon as someone says, don't think of a white bear, you know, all you can think about is white bear. You can't get that white bear out of your head. Um, But it's exactly the same when it comes to habit change. You know, as soon as you start, if we start to put rules, as soon as we start to put restrictions in place, you know, we lose that sense of freedom. We start to feel deprived. And as soon as we feel deprived, that's when we're in a danger zone. That's what leads to kind of, you know, binge eating. That's what leads to us, you know sitting on the couch and avoiding the gym that's what leads to those habits that are unhealthy and unhelpful um however on the opposite side of the scale so what we found from those successful maintainers in our studies so those people are able to maintain their health really well for long periods of time for years and years and years you know they had felt like they had a certain freedom in their lifestyle they felt like they could have anything that they wanted but they didn't feel restricted they felt like they could choose to have it but they also chose to have you know, a healthier life. And ultimately, it came down to the fact that they valued the fact that their health made them a better person. They valued the fact that health contributed to who they wish to be. And it's something in psychology called intrinsic motivation. So rather than, you know, worrying about weight on the scales or, you know, running a marathon in a certain amount of time or anything else, those extrinsic factors, they were thinking about those internal intrinsic factors. So intrinsic, it translates lovely in Latin. It's called goods for the soul. Um, And essentially what that means is, you know, um, you've got that internal motivation. So you do something because it's part of you, because it helps you identify you know, it identifies with who you are, what values you hold as an individual, you know, what characteristics you want to be, you want to have. And ultimately, it then trickles down into your decision making. So why would you make a decision that's inconsistent with who you are? So rather than 
like kind of imposing these artificial rules or restrictions on yourself. You know, you're making decisions because you're like, okay, so what does someone who wants to be healthy eat? You know, what do, uh, like what am I going to do if I want to live my best life? What decision am I going to make in this in this instance? And they almost serve, you know, once you've done that values discovery and you understand how they relate then to your health goals. They almost serve as kind of day-to-day mantras that you have in your life that help guide your decision-making. So you're not making decisions out of emotion or the fact that, you know, a nice cake has popped up in the environment. You're making decisions based on who you want to be and what you want to represent in your life. Beautiful. Um, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that because it's like you're and I and I'm I was listening to you speak. And of course, you know, I, I, I know people listening are going to resonate with that. I personally resonate with that because... I didn't, um, you know, gain back the weight that I lost just because I did it be out of yo-yo dieting and trying to deprive mm-hmm. myself to get to some kind of crazy goal. Yeah. Um, and it's so true that when we all come from a place of deprivation, and it doesn't even have to be about weight loss. Like, you yeah. know, you do, anytime you should all over yourself, right? Yeah. You're you're obliging yourself. You're, you know, you're forcing yourself to do something. Um, you literally there is a an internal resistance that comes up because it's not connected to what you just shared which is this real intrinsic motivation of i want to be healthier or you know i want to um you know be around for my kids or i want to yeah. have a healthier sex life or i want to yeah. change the world with this business goal so i don't need to should myself into my business <laughs> goal i can find the intrinsically motivating factor and pursue it that way um brilliant i love that yeah, love that's it. exactly it <laughs> yeah i just love it so because i love practicalities and we talked about this before and yeah. it's so funny because like i i joke about the three steps right because everyone's like well just give me the <laughs> just give me the three steps and the five steps mm-hmm. but i actually did hear in there just the one tiny little step right mm-hmm. and of changing the one tiny habit what do you say to your clients or people that um, how do we stop ourselves, rather, is the question, from then saying, oh, okay, and then I'll do this. Oh, okay, and then I'll do that. Because we do, we have this psyche of more is better. Yeah. Like this one yeah. little thing isn't going to be enough. I have to do more. What would yeah, you say to those I know. people? And it, yeah, it's, it, that's a, a, such an insightful question because it's really a struggle with a lot of my clients. You know, they get started and they're so motivated and they want to change all of the things. And what I say to them is, and you know, this is what we know from habit science is, okay, so habits are formed through um, basically repetition. So a context dependent repetition. So essentially you do the same thing in the same circumstance and it becomes a habit over time. And so what we want is that repetition. And so I say to them, as long as you feel you can repeat this for the next six months of your life, at least, you know, then you can actually add in another goal. Then you can layer on things. But if it's going to feel like you're not going to be able to do it. So I ask people to rate it like on a scale from zero to 10. And I say, you know, how confident are you that you're going to be able to execute on this goal for, you know, the next six months? And as long as people are over a seven, then, you know, I'm happy for them to then add something else in. So it could be something that your listeners can think about, you know, when they think about that small goal and they think, OK, I've, I've, you know, that feels really manageable. That feels really good. OK, um, you know, and I feel like I'm more than a seven on that. You know, I'm seven, 70 percent confident that I'm going to be able to carry that out. 
you know, over the next six months. Okay, let's add in another goal. And once you add in that other goal, are you still 70% confident that you can carry that out? And if you're not, you know, what adjustments can you make? Maybe instead of kind of trying to execute it every day, maybe it's every other day. Or instead of trying to execute it for three or four meals or to go to the gym, you know, X amount of times, maybe you're going to be able to pair it back a little bit. And just just to start, and I think that's a really good way of kind of for people to kind of monitor because we do go all in. And unfortunately, you know, what the research says is those simpler habits they're made automatic quicker. And that's what we want to get to. We want to get to the automaticity. So we want to get to the fact where, because this is a beautiful thing about habits. So when we wake up in the morning, you know, we don't sit and contemplate the pros and cons of dental hygiene. We don't toy over whether in the mood or we feel emotionally <laughs> resilient enough to brush our teeth. We just go and brush our teeth because it's something that we've always done. And this is where we want to get to with our health habits because 40% of your day is made up of the habits that you have. And ultimately it's your habits rather than your willpower that's needed for success. And so what we want to do is we want to get those habits to the point where they're repeated often enough in the same context at the same time that they become like brushing your teeth. So you don't even have to think about it anymore. And so I think it's it's equal parts, you know, understanding how habits work and it's equal parts about having confidence and pairing back where it needs to be paired back because knowing that consistency and progress is the goal rather than perfection. I love that you brought in automaticity and specifically as it relates to the example of brushing your teeth because (laughs) it is so simple and we don't contemplate those things. We start Mm -hmm. from when we're very young and this is just the one small thing that we do in the morning. And what I like about that example is it speaks to everything else you were saying that this is a layered effect. Like it's one tiny thing and then if that's sustainable – you know, then you layer something else, right? So it's like, then you then you wash your face in the morning, right? And then that's yeah. another step. And then it just becomes, you know, what you do. Yeah. It's automated. Um, yeah. yeah, I absolutely love that. I'm so curious where in your research and in your opinion and, and just in your experience with your clients and the people you work with, where do concepts like, you know, self-sabotage come in and things mm-hmm. things of that nature? I love that you say that because this is primarily why a lot of my clients come to me in the first place. And actually, it kind of brings me on to a point that I was going to make. You know, it's there's two kind of sides to habit change. There's a practical practicality side. So there's actually, you know, eating at the right times of the day, eating the right foods, going and exercising in, in, you know, adequate bouts and all of that. And then there's the emotional side of things. And, you know, we've got to look at habits, I, I suppose like an onion and there's different layers and and those outer layers are easier to start with so those practicalities so you know making sure you're eating breakfast so that you're not starving by lunch and making poor choices um and so we start with those practical layers because they're the quick wins they're the easy wins um and as we start to strip them away we get into the more emotional layers and because each so habits as i said you know they work across a loop so you know there's a trigger there's then the behavior or habit and then there's the reward. So what we over time then start to look at, okay, well, what are those times of day that you're most tempted at and why? And what reward are you seeking at that time? 
So for example, you know, it might be that you're a really busy mom and you have no time at all to yourself all day. And the second, you know, the kids are in bed in the evening, you know, that's when you start to eat too much, you know, or you feel like you're eating right out of stress out of tiredness, out of boredom, you're seeking that freedom, you're seeking that joy in your life. And that's the kind of self-sabotage I'm really, really interested in looking at. It's when food becomes a coping mechanism for people, when food becomes an emotional crutch for people. And, And what we do in those circumstances is we look at, well, what else, you know, what are you missing? What are you craving? What's that reward that you're looking for? And everyone can do this at home. You know, it's very simple. And one of my, um, big studies that was in the annals of behavioral medicine what we did is we tracked people's temptations so we looked at when people were tempted most and why and was it because they were hungry or was it something else was they were stressed were they tired were they bored were they emotional what emotional were they were they feeling and then what reward were they seeking in eating because if you can tap into what that reward is it can tell you a lot about actually how how to go about rearranging that habit so it's more functional because when it comes to it ultimately habits like smoking or eating they don't actually provide that stress relief they don't actually provide that relaxation and then it becomes this vicious cycle where you feel shame and guilt for acting in a certain way and then that exacerbates the habit and it makes it more likely that you'd engage in it more often so it's going back to understanding well what is that reward that you're seeking you know what are you looking for in this behavior Love it. Yeah, I I use the word a lot. And I I speak a lot about um, addiction, because I Mm -hmm. I have such a fascination around the psychology of addiction, which really is like a habit to the nth degree, right? It's, um, Mm -hmm. and it's a similar psychology, right? It's like, uh, it's, it's an it's a numbing out often. Um, It's a way there's something underneath it that is the real Mm -hmm. motivator, right? Like you just mentioned. And um, yeah, and I and I just again, personally, when I have been successful, at whatever it's been, um, whatever habit changing, it's because I was very aware um, and purposely exercising my awareness to find out what is underneath this. Why have I just turned to a bowl of popcorn when I'm not hungry? You know, yeah. why have I just, um, you know, I don't know, skipped skipped my yoga class when I really wanted to go? Like, what what's going mm-hmm. on there? And I love that you bring in the idea of rewards because I, I think we're also trained as a culture, like, you know, you know, these ads out there like McDonald's, um, I'm loving it or give yourself a break with a Kit yeah. Kat. Like we're, we're trained to reward ourselves in yeah. these very, um, I would say, unrewarding ways mm. when it comes to habit change. So I love the idea of just being hyper aware of how am I rewarding myself in this moment? And is that ultimately aligned with my with my goal? Yeah, like you say, you know, bringing it back to your values and and really understanding, you know, okay, is this representative of who I want to be in life? But also looking at, okay, and then this is something pragmatic that people could do. um, And I know that you like practical examples, so I'll just jump right into this. (laughs) Um, So, you know, when we fail or we have a lapse in behavior or we give in to temptation, the people that are most successful are the people that look at how they learn from that situation. Um, so ultimately, we're never going to go to from our habits to A to B in a straight line, you know, without any room for deviation off that path. And, you know, the truth is life doesn't work in that way. You know, there's so many decisions, options, opportunities around food and improving our habits doesn't work in that way either. So we, we need to see failure as a learning opportunity and a chance to understand what does and doesn't work. Um, and so 
What's quite interesting is that, you know, hundreds of studies have shown that having a plan. So I always say you want skill power rather than willpower. So plan known as implementation intentions, that's been consistently linked with long-term habit adherence. So it's about planning for once you have a better idea of what your triggers are, planning for what are those things that trigger you to engage in an unhelpful habit. Because we overestimate or over-rely on our willpower. So we imagine, you know, we're going to be able to go into a room full of delicious cakes and just resist. You know, we don't set ourselves up in a way that actually gives us the best strength. So I always say, you know, we need to set up our environment to help make that um, the healthy choice, the easier choice. And so for habit change to be effective, we need to stop relying on our willpower and rather structure in our lives in a way that we use it less. And that's what they've shown in studies. Those that use their willpower the least are the ones that are most successful. So in order to kind of attack that then, um, you can do this thing called implementation planning. So it involves creating a plan of action for when you go off track because of a certain trigger. And so basically it helps you anticipate, you know, like I just said, you know, with the tracking exercise, if you wanted to do that over the next week, you know, look at where those failures, distractions, temptations come in. And then once you know where they're coming in, this can help you really deal with them effectively in order to get back on track quickly. So, for example, you know, with the way we phrase it is, if X happens, then I will do Y. So, for example, if X happens, so if I get into an argument with my spouse and, you know, the automatic response is eating, what else can you do in that situation? What else can provide you that stress relief? What else can provide you that reward that you need in that situation? And start experimenting with other things that you can do. So, you know, importantly, it is important to have a list of alternative options and keep it visible so you know in advance of that stress or that trigger what the potential options are to you. And not obviously every option will work for you. Um, but what's quite interesting th- in, about this is you're planning for those kind of daily emergencies that come up in life. Because rather than leave it to chance, if you know that certain things trigger you to either overeat or to behave in a way that is inconsistent with your values, you know, plan for those. If they, it's, it's most likely that they're not going to happen in isolation. It's most likely that they happen on a frequent basis. So I, I suggest to all my clients, you know, try and create these if-then plans. So if I'm feeling stressed, then I will, you know, do a restorative yoga pose, ring X person on the phone, um, you know, listen um, to meditation. You know, they, like the list is endless. It just depends on what works for you. In order to know what works for you is, to experiment with it and there'll be times when you go back to the old coping behavior but eventually through repetition you know that will start to become your go-to thing maybe it's having a break going outside making a cup of tea going for a walk whatever it is that will start to replace that unhelpful um habit so have a think about I say to everyone you know have a think about what those triggers are and if that trigger happens what are the alternative options for you in that situation to help deal with that trigger better What I love about that is it's an exact remedy for the suffocation of perfectionism, right? Mm -hmm. It's literally planned imperfection. Like you're, we, you know, we know you're human (laughs) and you're not going to be perfect at this. And so let's plan for the imperfection and not, you know, take out the whip and start, you know, self-flagellating. Uh, which most of us do, especially the the women uh, and men that listen to my show mm-hmm. that are really, you know, go-getters and, and really ambitious. We, we tend to self-flagellate. And I love this because 
you know, it's an acknowledgement that we will imperfectly achieve our goal and let's plan for those imperfections. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that you say that as well, because that is one thing. If I get one thing across to people, you know, you're not going to do this perfectly. And if we can learn from those failures, that's what success is, you know. And so, you know, make mistakes, just like in business, you know, if you're building a business, you want to make mistakes fast, you want to fail fast, you want to learn from those mistakes, you want to iterate, and then you want to kind of keep going. And the thing is, so many people are afraid of making mistakes when it comes to their health, but you learn so much from those mistakes. And even, you know, if you can go back and have a look at your previous history with a certain habit, you know, become really curious about when you went off the rails, you know, what was it? that actually started that for you because it's most likely that that's a quite a repetitive pattern and if you can learn from that and understand that better then you can start putting in pl- plans in place to manage that for future absolutely wow amazing i could i could talk to you for another hour mm-hmm. um heather as we wrap up um i i must stand for you know we teach what we most need to learn i uh, definitely that is true for me i see that with all my clients and and people around me even my colleagues what's the one habit you're working on right now great question oh how interesting. or it could be one that you've conquered already in the past yeah. but be interesting yeah. I think this is a really good question. Um, So I have chronic back pain. And um, so I've got to do a series of extremely boring and extremely arduous (laughs) physiotherapy exercises to rehab my back. And so knowing habit change like I do, I've tried all the tricks in the book. You know, I've left um, the physio um, stuff out so I can see it. So it's constantly reminding me of what I need to do. I've tried, you know, setting alarms and reminders, setting up kind of physiotherapy hour for myself, trying to do it with my husband so it's more interesting. And actually, more recently, I found that, okay, I'm going to engage with this if it feels like it serves a function for me, if it kind of has a level of joy and interest. And this is something actually that I think is so, so, so important um, for people when it comes to habit change is to find that joy. Um, And so actually, you know, I've started to listen to podcasts now when I do the physiotherapy exercises. And actually, I'm looking forward to doing it because I'm looking forward to listening to those podcasts. I'm looking forward to actually engaging with that. So it makes me, in a way, engage with those really monotonous, you know, exercises because I found that that brings me joy and I've attached that activity. They call it habit bundling with something that is a little bit more interesting and intriguing for me. And this is what I always say to people is, you know, with those habits that you're trying to create, if you can at all, you know, think about those things. And that this is something that your listeners can do. Write a joy list, you know, write down all of those different habits that bring you joy, you know, be it, you know, like the way, you know, going for a walk with your dog or the way they're fresh apple like the fresh crunch of an apple or you know the way that nourishing yourself helps lift you up or you know it may be that you like walking and you want to layer on enjoyment so you want to listen to podcasts or an audiobook or you want to go with a friend think about those habits you know and how you can layer that extra layer on of joy into them um and and that's more likely to make you stick to the habit and engage with the habit because you're getting something else from it it's not as arduous it's not as repetitive it's not as boring um, you know it's serving another purpose and it's serving a joyful purpose because what we know is that those people that enjoy their healthy habits those are the ones that are going to be sticking to it in two three four five years down the line love it bring in the joy I love yes. it <laughs> awesome well Heather it was 
a pl- like beyond a pleasure. It's like I'm using that term very loosely having you on the show. Like I said, I could talk to you for another hour. I think this show is going to be so super useful to everyone listening. I know that I've taken notes and I have so many tidbits already from everything that you've said. Um, I so appreciate you and the work that you do. And I thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 